It's a piece of paper. It was very distracting. Oh, <laughs> yes, it was uh, uh, placed in a precarious location. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting spot. Where most of the food spills. <laughs> um, yes. Welcome to our show. Welcome. Bienvenue. This is the part I don't get. I am I'm Jay. Jay. Oh. oh, we said it at the same time. Go first. <laughs> I'm Jay. And I am Jay. And welcome to episode 52. 52. All right. Woohoo. So I have no idea who goes first. Um, I can't remember at all. I've had, I feel like uh, I do, but I'm not sure either. I, I've, uh, I've had uh, a couple of COVID breakdowns this past week. You know, it's really starting to get to me. Just now it's starting to get to you? <laughs> I go in I go in like serious waves. It's like I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. This I'm is totally great. fine. Yeah. You know, I can handle this. And then it's just like I know. Oh I'm like, God. it's only February. <laughs> back up and I'm like, okay, I got this. I'm rocking the COVID quarantine. <laughs> I can do this. I'm a quarantine star. And yep. then it just like is up, down, up, down, up, oh my down. God, I know. It happens to me like at least like, I don't know, at least like once every other month, if not like twice a month, you know, I don't know. I'm just impressed it took this long because. Uh, no, I've it's... had a couple before. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've had a couple before. I've mentioned it to you before. I didn't really but, think uh, it was because of like quarantine per se, I guess. I thought it was just maybe other things, but I guess they all kind of. I think it all just has so much to do with each other now. Yeah. You yeah, it's like I you mean? don't even know which end is up anymore. Exactly. It's like exactly. Because like, like I was talking to my therapist last week and she was saying how people now have the time to really sit in your thoughts. Yeah, and reflect. Whereas before you could leave the house, go do your activities, you were yeah. busy doing whatever, and, and got a lot of distractions going on. Whereas now, if something happens, even if it's like a memory or an annoying thing, whatever, you cannot escape it. Yeah, that's really true. And we're not where we thought we would be at this point, I think. we, I mean, they're really, the vaccines are just not coming out at a good mm-hmm. pace. <laughs> I know, right? Let's just um, put them in a big pot and boil it all up, you know? Yeah, just we all drink it. <laughs> And like watching the news does not help at all because it's like always like some sort of variant and you know some that I don't thing. do. I'm not a big news watcher because I know it doesn't. It's not going to help me. So I get I read I really read more of my news yeah. and watch more of my news. yeah. I've been looking like on read, like the the county choose. website to kind of mm-hmm. see what the numbers are because that really determines everything for yes. this area. So yes. I know they did open indoor dining at 25%. So I thought that was, that was a, you know, a positive. <laughs> I mean, not that, not that I'm going to go to. Indoor the numbers dining. have gone down for two whole days. Let's go back out there. I know. I'm like, did the numbers go down? I don't even know. <laughs> I <laughs> or, can't tell the- <laughs> from my little ho- hobble and uh, hobble in here. You know, it'll be days before I leave the house, you know, like it's, it's, I am super locked down. See, I get antsy if if I get antsy for being in the house for like a day because I still do go into work a few times a week. So I don't know how you do that. (laughs) Well, it's just like I try and do things around the house. And if there's really no need for me to leave, then I just don't. The only thing I really leave for is like food. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's like really it. And then like household stuff, like cleaning products and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you go to the grocery store? Or do you? Yeah. That's it. We, we go to the grocery store. Um, the grocery store we go to does not do like the delivery or even like the curbside pickup, which I was really surprised by. Yeah. I hate um, the grocery store now. I mean, I never liked it, but now it's just like, ugh, I just feel like everyone's in my space. <laughs> I've never been a big grocery store person. When I used to grocery shop, um, when I like first moved out, I, uh, I'm such a dork. I would like legit turn on the timer on my phone to like all right let's see if we can beat our last time oh my god because 
line. I'd go through the aisles and I'd try and beat like the last time. I should have done that because, you know, (laughs) I I can, I can spend a good two hours in the grocery store. (laughs) I must've looked like such a freak rushing up and down those aisles. speed walking with your car. I know. (laughs) Beep, beep. (laughs) Coming through. I need to get some ice cream. (laughs) Is that carb smart? No, put it back. Get out of my way, old lady. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so- this will give me something fun to do tomorrow. Listen to our episode. You know, <laughs> it'll give me something nice to focus on. My fiance actually listened on, he was oh. on a car, in the car. Congrats car to ride. him. Only took, what, two years? <laughs> <laughs> I think he like binges it, you know, when he has like a lot of time, which is now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It would take a really long time to binge our episodes. But yeah. do you remember? Is it you? Is it me? um i i don't know i think it's me but <laughs> it's you okay. yeah go for it that okay i'm ready of my dog i can hear your dog now. barking <laughs> now exactly now when your dog barks is when you should have gotten my i should have brought my headphones i apologize it's okay <laughs> all right um so a gust of wind blew a leaf across the yard and he needed to let you know yes. that that was happening he was <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's like with my dog. Oh my God. It's like, <laughs> what are you even staring at? I know there's nothing out there. Like he kind of freaks me. me out. I think we've talked about that where you're like, okay, I don't see anything, but what does he see? <laughs> right. It's like, what are you looking at? Oh my God. But it is on the, on the flip side, it's good to know that, you know, you potentially have. Yes. Position. Yes. But yeah. Anyways. So, um, my topic is in honor of Black History Month. I'm a little nervous about doing <laughs> doing this topic, but it's um, I was just kind of curious about like um, how Black history is taught in schools in the U.S. So that's kind of my topic, and maybe you as a teacher could shed some light on that. Just knowing probably more about how curriculums are. Well, are... you went to public school. <laughs> what do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> well I was the things I don't remember I don't know how much of what we learned was accurate I know well I was thinking I was like the only thing but you know we all know my memory is terrible so let's not use me as yeah an this is true <laughs> so but even me too yeah I remember the most black history I remember learning was ninth grade in like American history okay I don't, I don't remember learning it or not learning it before that. In like U.S. history, yeah. I remember yeah. we did take a U.S. history class in ninth grade. US, yeah. I don't remember learning anything about, oh man, I, I'm probably, I'm assuming we learned it in that class too. You would hope so. U.S. history sounds like it'd be an important topic, but I remember, <laughs> uh, I don't remember when or where, but I definitely remember learning about um Martin Luther King and Rosa yeah. Parks for sure but I feel like but that's feel where like it we, stopped you, you think we would have learned that earlier on and maybe I feel like I learned that in elementary school yeah we must have learned although I guess it's probably hard to teach kids like but there are so many slavery. other you know icons that you can learn yeah about. well that's that's kind of a lot what I you know found from the research so yeah. um so my sources were the Associated Press, Insider, WashingtonPost.com, NY, uh, New York Times, and um, an article from WTOP. Um, so, W-T-O-P. <laughs> um, so there's no national curriculum or set of standards okay. for teaching Black sense. history in the United States. Um, big shock. <laughs> um, only a small number of states um, require that Black history even be taught. I read anywhere from like 12 to like seven states and I couldn't figure out, they named like Arkansas, Florida, Illinois, Mississippi. Um, I couldn't I figure out, I don't think Maryland was even in there. Um, and those are the ones where it's required? Yes. Okay. But it's not like it's even part of in those. Okay. Yeah, it's just like you have to teach this but it doesn't tell you like how. So every state sets their own standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the criticism is that it's the same kind of things that are taught, like you were saying, like 
Jim Crow laws, civil rights, movement and slavery, and that's basically it. Um, people, yeah. um, people um, critics say that, you know, things like systemic racism, white supremacy, yeah. Juneteenth, the celebration of the oh, yeah. emancipation. Totally not taught. Yeah, it's not um, talked about. And it's a very sanitized version of slavery is what some people say. Um, in fact, some history books actually refer to the slaves as workers, which mm. is like really scary. Um, so, Cause that makes it seem like- you have I mean, I almost feel like we learned more about like indentured servitude more than that, because that was like a big topic it when um, people were like coming to the new world. I remember learning about that a ton. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you again. Oh no, that's okay. I'm just like trying, I'm trying my hardest to like remember what was like worded to me. But of course this was 20 plus years ago. So yeah. hopefully things are different. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they're starting to change, but um you know, it's, it's definitely not without a fight for sure. Um, so, so I guess seven of these 12 states that do require black history be taught in schools, don't even mention the civil rights movement at all, which is like crazy to me. Um, only two of those states address white supremacy. Um, and a lot of the states cited the, that the cause of the civil war was quote unquote, states rights, like not even mentioning, hey, slavery and the ending of slavery. Um, and a lot of the articles I read talk about how they, um, there's no mention of what's called the Tulsa massacre. Mm, um, yes. If you've with, ever seen like Lovecraft country I, or no, no, I'm sorry. It's not in Lovecraft country. It's in, um, it's in Watchmen. They have like a whole big thing about it in there. And they oh, were talking funny. about it on My Favorite Murder. And she was like, is this real? And then she looked into it and found out that it is real. Yeah. I saw um, a little bit of, about that this past summer around Juneteenth. And I had never heard about it either. And yeah. it, it's, cra it's crazy. It's a crazy story. It's so, it, it, people should definitely know about it. Yeah, um, and and then they portrayed what happened in in the Watchmen that sh that series. I believe that was on each. Oh, not the movie version of Watchmen. No, no, no. Yes. Okay, yeah, I was like, TV I don't show. remember I'm that. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, the TV show. Is um, that related to the like the the comic book, or is that something totally different? Um, I don't know. I think they found a way to portray the events um, in the show because you oh, know, okay. like it sometimes like, you know, you can find an avenue of telling your story through things that actually happen. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, well, that's good that they did that. Yeah, so basically, this is a very short version, but um, it started May 31st, 1921, and went till just June 1st, 1921. Um, and basically, this, it was this part of um, Tulsa that was known as, like, Black Wall Street, and mm -hmm. it was, like, you know, prominent black people that were had businesses and doing well and a group a white uh, mobs attacked the families and businesses and killed 300 um mm -hmm. 300 people including like children and you know women um and this and did you hear how it got started which is no. another thing that's that's no, rough. No. so um it, it's it, it's like a common theme that you hear around that time period where um you know, especially um, black males were being viewed as being these like predators towards white women. And, you know, this, this, that's like the systemic racism and it's like the propaganda and they're being, you know, taught to fear and be like, you know, like as though they're predatory. And a lot of that they're seeing in, you know, the news and they're, you know, being fed that through TV and movies. Oh, and is, like this, that. is this because so, the guy like, um, like he, whistled at a white woman? No, not, not oh. even anything like that. He, it, no one of course knows exactly what happened. Um, but it was in an elevator. I believe either she was the elevator operator or he was the elevator operator. I'm not hundred percent sure, but he like accidentally stepped on her foot essentially. Jesus. And it was something as simple as that. And, you know, I, I'm, and that is liter literally what started it all. It, and he, I'm sure as soon as it happened was like, oh no, you know, like 
you know, the, you know, like you can only imagine the fear that he probably yeah, had like that time period. Yeah. And then, you know, it spiraled um, out of control irrationally, you know, saying, oh, that he had attacked her on this, this woman. And, you know, then they tried to, um, I think they, they caught this poor guy, this, I think he was even, I think he was a teenager. And then they took him to jail and then they were like, you know, this is unjust. And, the, and then it, you know, it, it ended up, obviously this is a very brief overview. There's a lot more to it, but you know, these people had their own businesses. They had their own yeah. homes. They I mean, it was just had established out. quite a bit, like, you know, really carved out their own place in the world. And then a bunch of people just like literally took it away from them violently. It was awful. It was awful. And yeah. what's crazy about the whole thing is that it wasn't even required to be taught in Oklahoma until 2002. Like there was such a, um, and even the, I think it was the governor at the time, like he got calls from people being like, why are you digging up the past? And like, oh my let the past be the past, you know, stuff like that. Like people were mad. That's local he, history. I remember yeah. us learning about our local history. We went on like a right. field Like just trip. because it's bad that, you know, you don't want to talk about doesn't mean like that's more reason to talk about it so yeah. it if you stuff. live in the city where it occurred you should definitely know about it yeah and then hopefully of course the state and if it's something that like those people had to completely 100 percent rebuild their lives after that you know yeah and you know yeah it's they already and i myself didn't even know about it until it was like 32 yeah and, like and, I like yeah Clearly, because to me, that's, I mean, you know, it's almost like there was a, a, an effort to really push it, to hide it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so a 2015 study by the National Museum of African American History found that only eight to nine percent of history class time is devoted to Black history, and um, some states neglect it altogether. Um, so you know very very little time and i feel like it's like they're like oh black history month we'll just do it we'll watch like a video and about martin luther king and that's kind of it mm -hmm. um so but there is efforts to change that um mm -hmm. there are and actually the carter goodwin woodson is known as the father of black history he created um the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History in 1915, and he developed um, what they called the Negro History Week, which then is now Black History Month. So he's kind of responsible, oh, or okay. is responsible for that. And he, um, this was in a reaction to the mass lynchings of Black Americans throughout the 19th and 20th century. Um, but the movement to include Black history in U.S. schools really began in the 70s. Okay, wow, um, okay. I was yeah. expecting it would be a lot later than that. <laughs> well, so this that's is good. Kind of, that was the start. Um, yeah. And then- well, we gotta this, start somewhere. But, yeah. yeah. Before this, textbooks only talked about slavery and Jim Crow laws on like maybe a few pages, like just mm -hmm. like a little blip in there. Um, so, so there's a um, African-American history education professor uh, named LeGarrette King at University of Missouri, and he developed what's called the Carter Center for K-12 Black History Education. And his um, the goal of the Carter Center is to promote Black history research and to educate teachers. And he actually led a seminar for 300 teachers on slavery and, you know, how to teach it. Um, mm -hmm. And he says it's important for teachers to address privilege and identity um, in classrooms. Um, and he says that, you know, black history is often introduced in terms of slavery and it neglects mm -hmm. thousands of years of African history before that kind of dehumanizes or it, it does dehumanize them. Um, he also talks about how there needs to be more than just one perspective. Um, I'll give the example of Brown versus Board of Education, um, which, you know, is always looked at as a very good thing because it ended segregation but it also forced black kids to go to white schools instead mm -hmm. of the other way around. And this mm -hmm. caused many teachers to, and black administrators to lose their jobs. And it basically oh, okay. kind of fed into the ideas that you can only learn in white schools and mm -hmm. that black schools are un underdeveloped. Um, and he says, we should 
focus on how Black Americans have fought for their rights, um, should focus on Black joy and love in the Black community, how they stand together. Um, you know, more of the culture, not just mm -hmm. like, oh, they were slaves. Yeah, um, Black excellence, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, like the positive and like, you know. Just, yeah. As a whole, just like we yeah, learn about white people. we do for white people. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we don't just talk about the bad. We talk about the successes right. too. And it should yeah. be all around. Mm -hmm. um, so Marsha Fudge is an Ohio Congresswoman who introduced uh, the Black History is American History Act. And I think this was recently mm -hmm. introduced. And if it's passed, it would offer grants for teachers and students to teach and learn Black history. Um, it would also require the national it would require the only national test given to elementary, middle, and high school students to always include Black history. Um, so that's one bill that's kind of, you know, being put in the works. I literally had to Google like how a bill becomes a law because I, I couldn't really remember. <laughs> I'm just a bill. <laughs> I know. I was like sitting on Capitol Hill. <laughs> yeah, it's like a lot of steps. You know, it's got a it's like this one has a lot of sponsors so I guess that's good but yeah it's kind of I think it, you know it could also like die on the yeah Senate mm -hmm. floor so I'm not really sure um you know what exactly is happening with, with that but I also was curious about Maryland's curricu curriculum um so Maryland added um African-American history and culture to the curriculum in 2004 uh which is just missed us yeah, well, I mean, it was just like, that's not that long ago. <laughs> because we weren't taking history at all in senior year. Yeah, so yeah. that's true. Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Um, and even Which that- why we don't like, remember. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Civil rights, you know, they talk about slavery and Dixieland jazz. Those are like the requirements, I guess, which I'm oh, like, okay. Interesting. Um, <laughs> um, it was developed by Reginald F. Lewis uh, Museum of Maryland African American History and Culture it used a task force that included museum staff and state education officials, and it consists of 80 lessons. Um, oh, more wow. recently, um, MCPS uh, Montgomery County revamped eighth grade social studies curriculums to use uh, primary sources such as letters and speeches instead of just textbooks because obviously you know they're typically written by a white man and a little yeah. biased you should have like holistic information sources for sure yeah yeah like right from the source um and delegates ct wilson um from i believe that's charles it's his d-charles i guess that means charles county um presented um a bill it, uh, January 13th of this year that would require Maryland. Wow, that's really recent. Yeah, I, I think with, you know, everything with George Floyd, it's really mm -hmm. sparked, mm -hmm. you know, more um, action. Um, so his bill would require that Maryland State Board of Education to create comprehensive statewide standards for teaching Black history to public school students. Um, and then the local school system basically would develop a curriculum based on these new specific standards. So it kind of like you know, flow downward. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of like just what's been done in Maryland and, you know, some actions that have been taking, taken. And I also found um, there's a lot of talk about the, have you heard of the 1619 project? No. So it was um, a journalism project uh, in the New York Times developed by Nicole Hannah-Jones, who's a New York Times writer as well as other writers from New York Times and New York Times Magazine. Um, basically, it's a, it's a series of like essays and, you know, articles, and it aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequence of slavery and contributions of Black Americans at the center of the U.S. national narrative. Um, it kind of like, basically putting more emphasis on how like capitalism really got started like on, you know, on the backs mm -hmm. of slaves, basically, like, they're kind of the backbone of why everything is the way it is in our economy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was published in New York Times Magazine in August 2019 for the 400th anniversary of, um, you know, slavery. 
And she actually, Nicole actually won a 2020 Pulitzer Prize for, uh, for commentary for her introductory essay. Um, but it did receive a lot of criticism for putting ideology before facts. Um, you know, and I noticed like, it, it was criticized by a lot of historians, but all the historians were like white men. Mm. Um, granted, they are historians, but, and, um, and, and I mean, you know, she, because at one point she says something along the lines of, and I'm, you know, just uh, paraphrasing. paraphrasing. Yeah, but she said, you know, that we shouldn't look at um, 1776 as like the founding of America. It's when like the slaves came in, in 1619 to America. And, you know, people did not like that. Um, in fact, um, you know, our, our lovely uh, former president, uh, President Trump, uh, established the 1776 Commission um, by executive order, which basically organized 18 conservative leaders to generate an opposing response to the 1619 project. Um, because it actually, I read that it's it's taught in Chicago schools now. Um, so the 1776 re report was released on January 18th, 2021. It was big shock, widely criticized for factual errors, incomplete or missing citations and lack of academic rigor. <laughs> the commission was terminated by President Joe Biden on January 20th, 2021. Um, and then a lot of, another reason the, like some of the historians disagreed with it was because um, N Nicole argued that um, the reason people left England to come to America was because of slavery. So they could like continue with, with slavery, I guess, because it was like outlawed in England, but like there, I guess the argument was that it was just I'm still sure wise. that was definitely a reason, but there is a, probably a multitude. Yeah. Of yeah. I mean, you know, I think if, if anything, it sparks a conversation that needs to be had, you know? Oh yeah. So, um, well said. yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, said. every now and then I, Every now and then, you know, my words come together in a complete. <laughs> but yeah, you know, hopefully some of these acts will get passed and mm -hmm. turned into a law. But, um, you know, we got we got some ways to go, and that's mm -hmm. that's pretty much my my topic. Well, that's really interesting because you know I was just thinking the other day I was like, I wonder how old, um, like for example, like. Um, Black History Month or um, like uh, Women's History Month and and um, Hispanic Heritage Month. Like I was like, I wonder how old, how old these um, go, how far they go back and you know, like where they came from. So I was just yeah. thinking about that just the other day. So you, you answered my question. <laughs> Didn't even have to write it in an email. But yeah, I mean, I think that like, it just like, and this is not just in the U.S. Like, I think that people often they don't like to recognize, and this includes countries. They don't like to recognize when they've made mistakes. Yeah, that we and fucked they up. sweep that stuff under the rug, and yeah. we've so definitely pretend like everything's like that. Everyone's equal now, and yeah, that, mm -hmm. that was in the past, and you know, yes. And I mean, I enough, it'll it'll all work out. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that's definitely something that's happened. Like, you know, we've just been like, you know what, that's not happening anymore. So, you know, we're cool, you know? And it's interesting how like perspectives change, you know? Cause like when we were young, like you would have had a completely different perception of the world around you. And, and then now, like, you know, I think a lot of people, including myself, like our eyes are really opening to just how prevalent systemic racism is. And, and it's, and it is everywhere. And, yeah, you know that we need to do we need to be very proactive about it we can't just assume that it'll correct itself yeah and especially even with organizations that were meant to be helpful you know like yeah. i you know i was listening to that a while ago that podcast about that um that couple that um the female same-sex couple that adopted they were white and they adopted black children and then murdered them by driving them off the cliff yeah. or family oh my goodness. and they were talking about you know the social work field and how like that's you know you overlook you know their bias towards putting black kids with white families mm -hmm. and they go that'll be better than keeping them with their with their mother and look how mm -hmm. that turned out so it's yeah. like 
it's everywhere. It's really unfortunate. Well, uh, there are, so there are national standards for specific things in education. So there's like, there's a national, you can become like nationally board certified. And then there are, it's, you know, like national bare minimum standards um, that all of the US has to hit, right? And then those then get transferred to state standards and then they get changed into county standards too. Yeah. So as long as they're meeting like the minimum requirements of what like legally they're required to do within the county and then within the state, um, like that's what they'll do. So it doesn't surprise me that it's not, um, that there's not like a national oversight because I think there's so much that like this state's getting an education versus that state's getting an education. It's like state to state is very different. Like even like I remember when we were younger and I had a friend that moved from New York and she said like when she came to like our middle school, she was like, it's so easy because like her education in public school was just more rigorous where oh. she came from in New York. So, you know, people are getting different educations depending upon where you're living for sure so is there not really a national standard for a lot of topic or um subject no there is there's a national uh, state there's a national but standard, it then it just then, changes based on the state and county yeah but then like what you're teaching like within that standard is so it's probably very different between the county and states yeah um and then like what's specifically happening in this school versus that school in this classroom versus that classroom. There's just so many variables. Um, I definitely think that we are really lucky where we live. Um, and if we had children in, in where we live, I think that, that our state is definitely making moves to becoming um, more progressive as far as like having a more holistic education, like really like making the strides towards um, including all voices and information um, you know like about like uh, Black Lives Matter and you know educating the children on like what happened at the Capitol recently and you know what does a protest mean and like they're including these topics now and like when we were young that was that was not these were not topics yeah. So I definitely think that they're going in the right direction in certain aspects, but they have obviously, um, like, you know, all, many, many, many years to unpack and to reverse just completely not having it in the textbook at all, you yeah. know, this information. And it's like, it needs to be taught and then, you know, taught, it needs to be taught to everybody. Yeah. Know? I mean, like, just look at what we're learning now about like Christopher Columbus I know like how now we're thinking of Columbus Day differently now yeah versus 30 years ago you know so information you know changes I think history is important you know like you always hear that all the time like or you're doomed to repeat it you know yeah I never understood that like because I always I never liked history but it is true. Oh, really? That was like one of the few subjects that I loved because <laughs> like it didn't involve any math. So I'm like, I am <laughs> down for this. Tell me more. And it's essentially like storytelling. Um, you know, yeah, that's true. I mean, some of it was interesting. I liked when we were able to do like, like the Renaissance and stuff like that. Yeah. I like learning about how people have lived and I, I like the anthropology about it and like why yeah. people do the things that they do and things like that. You know, it's just, yeah, it's interesting. But I mean, like even just education itself, like if you think of like redlining, like even after schools were, were desegregated, they were still redlining. So, um, you know, they would essentially block out neighborhoods. Like you go to this school, you go to that school right. and they were doing that. Um, and they were, they were still segregating them. And then they would try and, um, and they called that redlining. And then they would try doing like busing programs and things like that. And I mean, you know, and that a lot of that has to also has to do with like taxes and property values, you know, so it's, yeah. it goes deep. It goes like uh, they say on all the, my favorite murder goes all the way to the top. <laughs> <laughs> um, she says that all the time. Yeah. I mean, I definitely hope, and I do think at least especially where we live that that people are trying to uh go in the right direction yeah you know and there's like that was so interesting also because like hbo just came out with um 
uh, this documentary that I wanted to see, but I was like, oh, I'm gonna wait till Friday because I'm gonna be recording with Jay um, uh, called Black Art. And wow. um, it's a documentary all about black artists. And, and it's the same thing, like it, it, same thing happens to women. Um, if, you, if you go to any museum, um, you know, nine times out of 10, the majority of the artwork in that museum is made by a white male. Um, so like people, like whole sections of people from the world have just been like their art has just been ignored, you know, looked down on or, or ignored or just completely swept under the rug. But um, it was such a, it's, I really, really, the, the preview made it look so good. So I'm like, <laughs> I have to say this. And they were saying like, you can't have, you know, art, especially in the US without having black art. And I, I totally agree. But um, so that's something to look out for. But yeah, that was a good topic. It's a yeah, hard um, topic. For, it's hard. For, I, I watched, a, was it 400 years, like a PBS documentary? That was really good. So if you want to any other than the um what they recommended also for her years you watched a pbs documentary look at you go it was just it, it literally just was on i was like you know what let me well that's my kind of my topic i might as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah good for you yeah i think that when you feel like you are done bad things are about to happen right you know like I feel like if we're like yeah I know everything that's happened yeah yeah I'm yeah. good I'm done I, I, where we are right now is is great like when you're not willing to accept change or information or other points of view and you think that you've done all the work that you need to do that's when the reality creeps up on you it's like never mind <laughs> you know yeah it's unfortunately it's yeah we have to keep educating ourselves for sure but that was good mine is um not historical at all uh my topic is is completely and totally ridiculous um well, and we have I, to balance each other out so that's um yes my um i laughed a lot a lot <laughs> when i was uh researching my topic so I guess we're gonna kind of uh, switch gears here, just FYI to anyone who's listening. <laughs> um, ugh, I, I'm probably gonna laugh just just by telling this this topic because it was just so, like you're gonna cry. <laughs> it's just so silly. Okay, Whew. let me just take a deep breath here. Um, do you, have you ever heard of? Um, hobby horse competitions <laughs> no <laughs> sorry okay um, i'm going to show you a picture of a hobby horse just so that you're aware of of what it is too um you know because and i'm going to describe it as well because um if you had told me what a hobby horse was um, a week ago, I wouldn't have known what it was. Um, so I think it's important that you at least see what I'm talking about. Um, so this is a hobby horse. Do you see what? A oh hobby my horse God, is? I had one of those as a kid. Okay. So for anyone who's listening, imagine a stuffed horse head that's probably about the size of, of, a, of a regular, you know, stuffed animal, you know, just a, a stuffed horse head, an anatomical stuffed head. And then instead of the body, it's a giant wooden stick, right. essentially so like, like, like a broom, ride it. Yeah, like a broomstick. Right. And then you uh, pretend to ride the horse <laughs> or the stick. And um, this thing that they're riding is called a hobby horse. So um, I was, I didn't know that it actually had a name. Sounds like you've you had a hobby horse when you were younger. I've definitely I didn't know it had a name either. I've definitely seen them. And I totally forgot know, I even had one until I saw that picture. They're marketed as toys, as one would imagine. Okay. Um, but there's more. Okay. So uh, originating in Finland, the sport, and I do say sport with lots of air quotes, um, of hobby horsing okay um people compete by performing and mimicking the movements and technicality of regular horseback riding um on a hobby horse 
They have different types of events like show jumping and dressage events. Judges score their performances. Show jumping courses are set with tricky combinations and patterns similar to the show jumping competitions that would be seen at a regular equestrian or horse riding competitions. These originate in Finland and if now um, been recognized in Finland as a sport, um, the sport of hobby horse riding. Um, and that is my that is my topic is what is a hobby horse competition? Is this a real thing? And what is that all about? And when did we're done, we're watching the videos because they are phenomenal. Oh, okay. So as we've stated many times before, I'm all about letting your freak flag fly. If you want to <laughs> do you, you do it to the best that you can do it. You know what I mean? So um, this particular sport is not for me, but I'm not saying that it can't be for you. You know what I mean? I definitely want to put that out there. However, the, the sight of someone competing on a toy horse attached to a wooden stick is just humorous to me. Like I cannot not laugh. Yeah, they have, have like good like thigh control, I guess. I mean, imagine like uh, like like the like what is it AKC dog show, but with people instead of dogs, and you're jumping like people take it that seriously and galloping around as though you are the horse on the stick and you're they jump over jumps they weave in and out they are literally mimicking the horse's movements on this stick and uh it is just it's something it's something to behold so they claim that this is a safe and affordable way to ride horses it's um, even now starting to become somewhat popular in the United States. The rules and regulations for the competition state that the riders must complete the entire course with their hobby horse and will incur one fault for every rail that they knock down, you know, for the jumping competitions. Cause you know how they jump over like the rails during their so they time. they jump over with their feet. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, while having the hobby horse underneath of them, yeah. Their final results will be based on the time in which the rider completes the course with the fastest rider taking first place. The top eight places usually are awarded ribbons for each division at the conclusion of a competition. And they noted on the website I was reading that participants should wear comfortable athletic attire and running shoes or tennis shoes. Um, I read about this in ESPN news, um, the Wall Street Journal mentioned it. Um, so this is specifically from Wall Street Journal, quote, though the horses are not real, competitors say their sport demands dancerly rhythm, gymnastic control, and the athletic skill to complete jumps over obstacles that can be chest high for many participants. Mostly wow. girls between ages 10 and 18, yeah. although boys are allowed to participate, all while keeping control of their horses on a stick, end quote. So um, there is a Stick Horse Enthusiasts Association. You know, I think we've been talking about this since the very early days of, the, of our podcast, that there are associations for literally everything. Like there is some sort of like group for literally everyone out there. Um, so I was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised that there is also a stick horse enthusiast association. Um, and there are also even books on the sport, including a volume dedicated to uh, hobby horse accessories. I don't know how you could have an entire book based on something like that, but um, yeah, there is. So there are annual competitions such as the Alphonse Cup and the Hobby Horse Championships that are both held in Finland. These competitions like the one in 2017 had as many as 200 participants. So these are like large, substantial events. It's not like someone's backyard, you know, like it's like a real thing. Um, the competitors even, they name their hobby horses um, and they compete to music, kind of like gymnastics or like ice skating. Um, the competitors do have to train 
for the events themselves. Um, one of the people competing in the Hobby Horse Championships, I believe back in 2017 um, in Helsinki said that in order to get ready for their event, they started a regimen of squats and jogging to prepare for the jumps as high as four feet, three inches. And they trained up to six hours a week um, in order to prepare for that. Um, and these are juveniles, you know, they're young, mostly girls. Um, quote, competitors who invest real time, money and tears in the sport say it is much more than just horseplay for the ponytail set. And <laughs> the, the sport has grown so much in Finland that a secondary market is emerging across thousands of hobby horse Instagram accounts to trade and then resell their horses. Now, oftentimes they refer to them as actual riders you know, even though it's really them, they're not riding anything but a stick and they're walking on their own two legs. And then they refer to the hobby horses as horses as though they are like living creatures. Um, but you know, just FYI, it's really them as a human and then like a toy. Um, so they trade and resell their horses. Um, the competitors create identities for their hobby horses and they can change hands for as much as uh, 160 euro, which is essentially like $174. Um, so $174 for a horse head on a stick is a lot in my opinion, but you know, to each his own, to each his own. We all put uh, different price values on different things. Um, depending on, so this depends on their provenance and type. According to Alisa Erniamaki, um, who is 20, a biology student in Helsinki. And um, Alisa is someone who sells um, the hobby horses. So they would definitely know. Um, registration fees at hobby horse competitions are apparently kept low, as low as possible. Um, and it can even be as low as like 50, essentially 50 cents uh, per event. That's, that's pretty low. Um, competition organizers must work as volunteers, according to uh, the constitution of the Finnish Stick Horse Enthusiasts Association. There's a constitution? <laughs> well, you got to have rules. Um, uh, uh, that is the sports governing body, is the Finnish Stick Horse Enthusiasts Association. Um, and that is essentially my topic. Um, I just, I mean, like, everybody's got to have their thing. And this is clearly some people's thing. But I just, someone shared a video of this on my Facebook feed and I was like, this is hilarious. That's crazy. I mean, I've just never seen people, people jumping over jumps like that before. Um, and not as like playing around, like they're taking it very seriously. And like yeah, hundreds I mean, of people are doing this. Are too. Hundreds of people are doing this, you know? And then there was a lot of articles um, really saying that, you know, like really putting a lot of emphasis on how like this is affordable and this is like a sport that my kids can do easily, whereas paying for horseback riding lessons would both be dangerous <laughs> and expensive. And I mean, that's probably I mean, very true. That makes horseback sense. Horseback riding is expensive and it can be dangerous for sure. But like... <sighs> I don't know. I don't know if I could convince, how do you convince a kid <laughs> to do that? Um, but yeah, and there's competitions that are held every year here in the U.S. as well. So um, it's not just Finland. It's, you know, it's cross that pond, if you will. So um, yeah, that was my topic. So wow. look out for some great hobby horse photos that I'm going to post later. And you and I are going to watch a YouTube video when we're done. No. you have got to see this in action yeah it's definitely something i just cannot picture uh yeah when you see it you'll you'll believe it wait did you say they win do they win any money or anything um so like they win like prizes and medals and things like that it's probably similar i would assume to like when like you do irish dancing competitions like you're not yeah, winning that's money but you're winning medals and yeah and you're also paying to 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 compete because you have to like register and everything yeah and like it's that. run by volunteers too mm -hmm. i don't know if there's I, a think, I think it would be essentially a similar kind of like structure but obviously the events are very different yeah i just can't imagine like what the judges i mean i tried to find more information but i was like what are the judges looking for 
specifically, but I guess technique. I guess and yeah, time. Former hobby horse riders. I guess it's just all down to like how quickly you can do it and how well you do it in that time. I guess so. I mean, I it, it does sound like it does take some amount of skill. I will say that. Yeah. Burn some calories, get some steps, you know? I mean, they probably have really strong quads. <laughs> Come over. Good, good core, good center, yeah. good core. Yeah. Although I would think the injuries are probably almost worse in that than like riding an actual horse. Oh, no. They're just like walking and galloping around a gym. But they're jumping over... Um, but you think know. about the height that you're on a horse when you're jumping a, a show horse. Like that. Yeah, but I mean, like once you're at that level, I don't think it, you know, I don't. Hey, be it fall. happened to Superman. It can happen to anyone. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I fell off when I was a kid, but I just kind of. I fell off. off a horse once too. Yeah. That was kind of my own fault. <laughs> <laughs> we were riding. Um, without a saddle and Did i just pissed it off <laughs> i slid right off that sucker yeah that yeah it's kind of i mean i had a saddle but i still remember it. i think it just stopped short and i just went <laughs> yeah it didn't actually hurt as much as you would think but we weren't yeah. we were not going fast and we were not jumping over anything so yes wow all right well that was my that topic was, so that was, uh, a, that was a great one i did not know that existed uh look for uh information and pictures and fun let's, stuff let's on, bring this to the u.s guys on <laughs> on instagram at this is the part i don't get um and facebook this is the part i don't get and email us at the part i don't get at gmail.com and we will uh bring us back to more new topics in two weeks have a good right. valentine's day oh yeah have a good valentine's day oh and an almost happy lunar new year uh -huh. all right Bye, everybody. Bye.